G'day, mate. Uh, this is John Dorney, and you're listening to the Sirens of Audio podcast. G'day audiophiles, this is the Sirens of Audio. My name is Dwayne, it's great to have your company. Uh, Philip's not with me at this second, but he will be in a few seconds time. Because last week we were speaking with the extremely talented John Dorney uh, about his work with uh, Big Finish, but writing, script editing uh, and acting in. And we're going to continue that interview with him right now. You were talking about working with Matt Fisson and things like Doom Coalition. How, how do you actually go about constructing 16 stories? Because that, that was nearly all Matt and you that did all that. Doom Coalition was, was Ken and David. Um, uh, that, and and they, they basically plotted out the first, like the 16 episodes, uh, though, though with the facility to uh, adjust them accordingly. So I think um, certain aspects of that, like River Song was a late edition. And I think, I think the ending was going to be a multi-master story but then the main range is multi-master story as well which got in the way and things like that so there was always like the room for doing tweaks and changes as you went along uh but the general arc of what each box set was going to be i think was relatively clear in their minds from early on um and then ravenous was quite heavy with um with, with, with david i think david had clear ideas of what he wanted it to be but then but then as i say you come in and you tell your stories and you he, he allows everyone to uh, adjust the storylines accordingly. I think by the time we got to Stranded, often with these things, um, we'd before writing it, we'd sit down and like have a general meeting and chat about what we wanted to do, which is usually the writers, the script editors, the producers, sometimes via you know video link or Skype, there would be some sort of group meeting and some kind of group discussion. So we had a, a solid idea of what the plots were going to be. And at that point, we'd bring in some of our own ideas and some of our own things and go, well, what about this and what about this? So I remember we definitely had discussions in terms of that with something like, say, Ravenous. We had a lot of that in terms of countermeasures and the robots. Uh, Stranded, there was a meeting which was us trying to figure out what we wanted to do with the, the overrun of that, with Matt largely collating a lot of those discussions in terms of uh, like a general arc for where the series was going to go. Um, that was quite early on as well. Uh, that was maybe about a year and a half ago or whenever it was. Um, and And... and and at those meetings, you kind of have these discussions where you kind of fling things out and make dis- make make suggestions for other people, and it all begins to blend together. So, you know, like a, I think I might have been even the person who suggested maybe something like uh, Andy being somebody we could use from something else um, in Stranded, um, and I definitely suggested the idea that became the Lumiat for Lisa in in the Missy sets. Um, Though obviously she kind of took that and run with it and did her own thing, um, yeah. But certainly, like say the initial stranded meeting, I remember saying, "Well, what I'd quite like to do is a contemporary historical. That's what I want to do." And then we see whether that fits in, and everyone has the discussions. And then when the storylines come in, they kind—I of, think it was initially going to be the third 
the third story, but then it, we felt it was going to be better in the second place and sort of things like that. Some other things where it, it can be a bit more sort of script editor-led. So something like, say, Star Cops, for example, Andrew Smith has a, a, a big, like book of guidelines going and this is what happens in episode one in quite a degree of detail and he's he scripted me on another thing recently that took a surprising amount of time to get up and ready to record due to covid so i can't mention it but again that was another one where it's quite a detailed breakdown where he got very clear ideas of what his episodes were and slightly less clear ideas of what episodes two and three were and that was going to go with someone else and all that uh and there was one i did which i plotted out where it was maybe like about a four or five page brief with this is what this is the setup of episode one this is two three four five six so like a nine episode thing where every episode there was a vague idea as long as which then people could go away and run with but it, you needed to do this this and this to make the arc of it work and that was that was pretty much entirely me um and just my going this is what i want the plot of this to be and it's 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 kind of, it's, it's it's as variable as that basically so sometimes it's we sit in a meeting and discuss what we where, where we want something to go or sometimes it's the script editor just goes, this is what I want it to be, or the script editor and the producer gauge it together, and so on and so forth. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Eighth Doctor Adventures, Stranded, Volume 1. She used every ounce of her strength to escape the crucible. No control, no navigation. Instinct brought her to her second home, Earth, and she gave up the ghosts. You're saying you own a house? Oh, this place! Isn't this Baker Street? Expensive area. Number 107. I made the investment a long time ago. Hello? Can I help you? Yes. What are you doing in my house? The past few days, everyone's becoming more paranoid that there could be someone or something else in the house. The idea of spending the rest of my life here. There are worse places to live than planet Earth. The TARDIS isn't responding at all. Well, we knew it'd be difficult. I really think I might not get her back. Doctor, Liv's been shot! I thought it was safe here, but we've lived our lives so dangerously for so long that we've forgotten death lurks everywhere. Driving a car, walking the street, working in a shop. A police box on Camden Road. I'm old enough to remember what this was really used for. Big finish. We love stories. But if we're going to be stuck here a while, we might as well give the walls a lick of paint. I'm a time lord. I don't do up kitchens. So how far ahead are you working? Do you know what's going to happen after Stranded? Um, I don't think we're that far ahead at the moment. Are you planning next? What's happening? I don't, I don't know yet uh, what that is. I think that might come up relatively soon because I think Stranded is... Well, Stranded 1 and 2 are, are sort of done and locked and I, I think Stranded 3 is potentially, you know, soon. Uh, whether I'm involved with that, I don't know, I should say. But certainly the discussions about Stranded began to happen around about box set three of Ravenous. So we were aware of roughly where it was going at that point. I think even like at the initial meeting uh, for, for Ravenous 3, where we were discussing and planning and figuring out how it happened, we were even discussing like box set three and four at the same meeting. I think um, I think pretty much the first thing David said at the meeting was going, right, okay, I know we're discussing Ravenous 3, but the end of series four is going to be these masters, and it's going to be called Day of the Master, and it's a two-parter. Um, which one of you is free to write it? Which turned out to be me. But yeah, the... Um, uh, it's it, it's variable, basically is again the answer. So I I think I think we don't think too far ahead, 
in general terms but by the time you get into a bat story set three or four if it's like an ongoing series you begin to be going well what do we do next and what's a contrast i think i think that was the main thing with stranded i think um I think most of us were going. I, can we? I, as long as long as it isn't Time Lords, we're fine. So, what's a nice contrast to that? So, yeah. So, I think there's always an element of discussion. Now, having said that, some of them it's a little bit more one box at a time, and we see what happens. So, yeah. Can Can I ask a question about the robots? I was I was very excited to have the addition of Tucson Pool in in box set two, yes. and I think in the extras, David may have indicated that. There are a couple of box sets being recorded uh, close together. So uh, are you able to say whether there might be any further appearances of uh, Tucson Pool? There are, yes. There are, and Excellent. of both of them, yeah. So Excellent. for the, for the yeah. obvious Excellent. question of that. So, um, yeah. Uh, uh, again, don't know how much I can say about that, but certainly, yeah, we've, we, um, the, the working on that one was quite a, an intricate piece of planning. But yeah. um, hopefully it's going to um, pay off in the final edits for all of them. Yeah. So, so how much do you take that kind of thing into consideration with a lot of these original series actors getting older now? Philip and I have talked about Tom Baker recording many years in advance, and obviously because he's, he's of a great age. But, but any of these actors could uh, pass away due to age-related reasons at any time. Is that something that goes into your planning? It's, it, it never really comes up, to be honest. I mean, you, you know, it, I mean, certainly... Like, as you know, we've rather tragically discovered with Chadwick Boseman recently, um, the age isn't doesn't matter, really. Uh, and certainly, there there are um, there's no there's no way of knowing, and and you can't tell, so you can't really plan for it. Uh, so you, you you plan for a best case scenario, really. I think, yeah, ge- generally speaking, I think we're happy to record with whoever's happy to record with us for as long as they're happy to record for us. I don't I don't think we plan for anything beyond that really I, I um, it, it, because it's, yeah because there are only so many plans you can put in in place on the basis of going well we've no idea what the future holds and and I think isn't that whole thing about you know if you want to make God laugh tell him your plans that thing I think um, you might end up future proofing something that then you don't need to have worried about really so um, and it I, th- I think there was a time when we were on um, the last series of Toms that we would have had bef- before the license ran out. And so that's another thing that happens, that people forget there is a license that needs to be renewed, so it's not necessarily eternal. And and if anything, I'm kind of... I, that's the thing I think about more, really, than, than the, the mortality of actors. Because uh, there are ways and means of dealing with almost anything, basically. And David Collins is probably a good example. It feels, you know, that there are things we'd have done if if David had, had lived that we can't do, which is a shame. But you just do something else instead. It, it's 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 as simple as that. It's as straightforward as that, really. Yeah. With the robot series, were you aware you were going to do that when you wrote when the episode was written for Ravenous, or did that Ravenous episode come out work so well you went let's do a box sets? I, I, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure of how that, how it came about, really. I, I am aware that the moment I was aware of, of the script of Escape from Caldor, I was aware of that was the thing that was going to happen. Yeah, I, I think so when I, when I read it. It's been a while, but I remember we were talking about it. And I, I'm not sure to the degree of which, where the planning of it came from. Whether it was Matt wrote that ending and then David went, oh, whatever, or whether he put that ending because David had already had the idea. I don't know. 
Uh, it's one of the things that I always find. I always, I, I largely keep out of um, the things that aren't directly me in a weird, weird way. So I don't read scripts if I don't need to, which sounds like a, a strange thing. So it's something like um, uh, I didn't need to read must see TV in Stranded One. In fact, I didn't read David Barnes's for a while, but then I needed that for something else. I needed to read Matt's to know where I was going. But then there's this bit going, I don't particularly gain anything from reading these in advance. I'll just wait and listen to them when they're actually like properly put together. Uh, so I will basically not listen to things I don't need to listen to until I, I need to hear them. So I mean, And another example is actually, I think it's, is it, is it Whisper? Is that what it was called? Um, Matt's story in, in Ravenous 4. Didn't, didn't read that. Waited to, to actually hear it in the finished version because I didn't need to. I couldn't change anything in mine because it was um, Whisper was written after Day of the Master was, I think, even recorded. Um, so there was little point in, in reading the script other than just going, uh, just out of curiosity. But then again, I'd rather hear it as the, the final thing. So a lot of it, I, I'm, I'm further back in the decision process than people might necessarily think. One more question about the robots. If you're involved in the planning of it, were, was there any discussion about how far to separate the Big Finish series from the Magic Bullet series from oh, about 20 years ago now that was a really, really good audio series, but very connected to that Caldor story? Well, um, not for me personally. I mean, uh, in the initial stages, Matt was going to script edit, but then he had to drop out due to having other things going on. And he'd got whole sections in... In the in the Bible about the Caldor audios and and stuff like that, I'd never heard them, and I think we have slightly different attitudes in terms of the like expanded universe. I I so he would like bend over backwards in the wrong doctors to accommodate business unusual. I wouldn't have bothered. I I just ride roughshod. I'm going to go. Well, somebody will figure it out, or it's a different universe. It's a multiverse or something. You know, somebody will work that out. I I I'm I never felt particularly beholden to the Caldor audios. Just by virtue of the fact that they're, you know, people probably aren't going to hear them uh, now, or kind of they aren't going to directly listen. So um, factoring them in felt like a potentially bad idea. I think we had to kind of do things in our own way and create it separately. And and again, that was largely led by what had been in Robophobia and what had been in Escape from Caldor and Sons of Caldor, uh, how they'd done the world. So I was largely running with them rather than being too worried about. Uh, and also it's that thing of if you don't listen to them, which I haven't. Uh, I kind of made the deliberate choice not to when I was script editing it. Then there's no chance that you act- you're actually going to like accidentally plagiarise them or or do anything like that. I think um, taking active steps to avoid them is probably, if anything, going to make you more more like them than anything. I, I hear good things though. I always say that with Grazia. Everyone says they're really good, um, and I will probably listen to them at some point when we've finished. Well, the focus of those stories is Yuvanov, played by uh, Russell Hunter. Russell so. Hunter. Obviously, you can't do anything with him anymore, so that's something you don't have to worry about. Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, it didn't come up really. No, um, we were yeah determined to, to to do our own thing. I certainly was. Yeah. There are reports of several robots being destroyed in protest. From Big Finish Productions, the robots. Volume 3. Detonation in 60. The Sons of Kaldor themselves are now claiming responsibility for several recent acts of violence. Hi, I'm Medtechchenka, representing the company, and I'm investigating a serious public health incident. Can you open up, please? It's a robot! 
It can't be murdered. And yet, here we are. Detonation in 40. It's a fine line between control and coercion. If we can just track down Lish 2s. Lish 2s is classified. Twos. What do they want with her? We're looking for someone called Ander Poole. Please, just stay away. Human crew members are serving aboard Sandminer Storm Mine 4. Yuvanov, Dask, Chubb, Toos, Poole, Carol, Borg, Zilda, and Cass. These are images of pilot Leish Toos and Commander Kai Yuvanov. Do you recognize either of them? I live when traveling and came back inquisitive. Detonation in 20. I don't know what's on the other side of this door, but whatever it is, it feels bad. Would you, 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 you like to call for backup? What backup? We're on our own here. Okay, deep breath. Detonation in 10. On one side, you've got the company. On the other, the Sons of Kaldor. On the third side, you'll find the truth. Big finish. We love stories. How much time are you working with stuff that's coming out now? You, you seem to be working from years ago to some of the stuff that comes out within months. Is your brain just constantly trying to deal with where I'm, am I at the moment? Um, not really. I mean, because I'm, I'm always aware of what I'm supposed to be doing next in theory, but then that will change. And it, I think they're always very aware of like me and Matt and other people who've got, who write as much as we do. Of, of being aware of what we've got and when they need to have us do something. And it, and it can vary. So um, the storyline I finished last week was for something we had an initial meeting about in January 2019. Uh, and that's not to suggest that that we were go- we, it was planned to be written now, but obviously with things like COVID and other things getting in the way and other scripts which became the focus, this sort of gets mixed up and mixed and matched a bit. I mean, I seem to remember something like, say, the Missy box set, I think some. I think um, Lisa and probably Gemma. No, maybe Lisa and Roy. Definitely a couple of people have written their scripts at least about a year before I wrote mine for Missy Two. Just due to schedules getting mixed around, and then and and then them writing theirs early on the basis of of people's availability, and then that availability changing, so everyone else getting put on the back burner, and all kind of moving around like that. There's there's all manner of weird cogs and wheels turning around each other what was the one that, that that made me think of one recently what was, what was it another one where the, the the timings are a bit weird yeah there, there's there's i've come remember there, there's at least another one recently where where the actual process is is so convoluted and long uh you you wouldn't believe um but then others where it's just quick but it is genuinely just like a, a question of juggling us around and going right what do i need to be doing now i'll do that one now and and sometimes that drops out and is shifted in and you know and uh, it never feels too problematic because obviously you're just writing one at a time. The David Tennant stuff that's coming out at the moment has that just been because of COVID? Suddenly he's available. Are people just able to just write scripts fast, or a lot was more of that planned long ago? Uh, well, I, I think some of them. It's fairly obvious. Kind of, he became available quite quickly, but then obviously some things were slightly more advanced in the planning than other things yeah it's kind of hard to say as I say because some, sometimes you, you're taking advantage of circumstances and trying to um, pull something together quite quickly um, and then other times you just have a long a long gap to be able to develop things and this is the thing that's kind of weird and frustrating with it is that the time has no relationship with the quality of the eventual product <laughs> 
Um, there's at least one where, um, you know, it went from, you know, from brief to completed script, ready to record in less than a fortnight, where uh, it, it's genuinely aggrieving to me, where I kind of go, well, that one's really good. Why, why, why is it taking me three months to write this? And at least partially of that, part of that is because if you are given three months to write something, say, or write to come up with a plot, you'll take all three months. Uh, whereas if you're given a week, you'll just make decisions quicker. You'll go, well, what is this going to... And you suddenly like focus in on it and zoom in on it and it becomes whatever the choice is, that's the choice. And then the, both creative processes work. So um, and I, it's always something I find kind of really baffling. But the, 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 yeah, the amount of time you spend on it kind of doesn't matter. Um, in a weird way, it, it all feels like it's about the same quality. Eventually, there are the there, quality varies according to other circumstances because it isn't really a science. But but um, the amount of prep time really kind of doesn't seem to make much difference to me. Certainly, your most highly recognised, well, awarded script is probably Emerson Friends. How did that come about? That was just I, I remember. I think we were discussing during the second box set recording, maybe of. Um, of of Doom Coalition that I think Dave was saying well I can't, that he wanted to do a story which was Helen coming back and and finding her grown up brother and the problems from that and that was roughly what it was and I remember thinking even during like the having the chat with David in the interview room I was going oh I really hope I write that one that sounds up my street and as I've talked about at various points before my 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 dad died in I think it was oh gosh it's forgetting the years now probably 2015 I feel. No, twenty. No, it's maybe longer than that. Okay, maybe twenty fourteen. And um, he uh, and, and I felt very aware that I was going to write something about it eventually. Um, I thought this is going to inform something I write at some point. And I can't even remember what episode. I think I was driving down to Tunbridge Wells for a Tom Baker recording. I was listening to a Jago and Lightfoot. I think it was one by James Goss. And every now and then, my brain just ticking over other things. And I had this mo- this thought in my head of just going, "Oh yeah, phone calls from the dead." Ankles from people who died, and just went. Oh, okay, that's the one about my dad. Then is it? Okay, fair enough. And then I just went with that. Um, it, again, it's an interesting one in terms of what I say about the the procedure. I think we were. I, I seem to remember that I ended up writing it quite early, or writing the synopsis months before writing the script, and then the rest of Doom Coalition kind of being about like um like a month before recording but like the actual storylining was maybe about six months before where I'd wrote this, I'd written the storyline and then didn't write the actual script until at least you know three or four months later which is rare but again that's just due, you know due to the schedules switching and changing and what we needed to do at the time yeah and I, I, I was always aware from from the get-go what what the scene I the, the key scene in it for me was was the second phone call Liv has with her dad which was the one I was kind of building to I remember even during the notes that David was kind of David and Ken were saying, oh, you know, she's a bit grumpy in this first phone call. We should probably, like, take the opportunity to have her show a bit of affection. And I was going, no, 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 no. That's the second call. That That's the one thing I really can't change because it has... The first one is she's dismissive. Second one is where she breaks your heart. And that was the theory behind that. It, I mean, it's w- weird. It's... it's um. One of the things that, in terms of when people look, like talk about ones you like as, as, as a writer, it bears so little relation to... The eventual finished product because because that was a tough one to write not for the reasons of it being emotional particularly but there were aspects of the synopsis where where the structure didn't work and and I like wrote scenes and then had to go no no that's just not good no that's not good I and re- restructured it and changed the the threads through for some of the characters it was stuff it was stuff about the doctor 
and and the antique shop guy in the beginning where how they met didn't quite work how everyone was set off on their threads didn't quite work and then there are other bits like um uh, the scene with helen and her brother just the argument happened too quickly and didn't have quite the right rhythms it's a very weird scene that scene in fact actually because because usually I always have people are doing something and they're doing something and going somewhere or they've got an aim and a purpose. And that scene is about the two of them just having a conversation that has to get from point A to point B as naturally as possible and in the right rhythm, the correct rhythm. Uh, and I just struggle with that. I just struggle with that because I go, what, what are they talking about? What are they talking about that can get them from this point to this point? They're not discussing anything plotty. There's nothing about the plot happening. They are just talking about their own individual experiences and the tensions building between them. So I think... If I remember rightly, on the first pass, I, I went through that and largely left that as a placeholder going, that's not right. I'm going to come back to that and finish that later because I was just stuck on it. So it, it's not a story, in a weird way, it's not a story I have particular affection for the writing process of it. I am aware that it's one that works and that people like. I can never quite unhear the cogs going. That's, a, that's the weird thing with that one. But obviously it's one that people love and it's one that I, I have a huge amount of personal affection for on the basis of it, it's the play about my dad or it's one of the plays about my dad I ended up realising I think a few months later I wrote 529 so, so as I say with absent friends I went in going yeah this is about my dad 529 is the one I got about halfway through and went oh this is about my dad too isn't it <laughs> um, the, the first one is nominally about um, about the loss of people and then um, and, and then 529 is about coping with terminal disease and, and then I think the final part of the trilogy is the invention of death. They all kind of form a little um, nominal trilogy of, of me being obsessed with death and all manner of things like that. And I think it probably drains into other things at different points here, there and everywhere because it's bound to. But um, yeah, it, it, that, that, that's some of the process of that one. It is time to complete my masterpiece. Time to start the countdown until doomsday. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, Doom Coalition 3. The archives were the most highly secured place on Gallifrey. Probably even more so now after what happened last time. What happened last time? The Eleven happened. Threads in the web of time are being unpicked by whatever this is. They're in flux, but only in relation to one another. Hear that fizzing noise? That's my brain. Ah, oh, don't worry, Liv. I have a seventh sense for this kind of business. In the name? Of King Henry, I demand that you identify yourselves. Intent hostile. Threat will be neutralized. None will stand in our way. I'm Ruth, Helen's daughter. Her daughter? Superville, Com. Superville? Well, that hardly sounds like an evil organization. What the devil? A devil? Not today, Thomas. Today I'm your guardian angel. I am the clocksmith. I am an artist. And I am everywhere. Time lords. Honestly, you spend your whole life believing there's only one left, then they start turning up like buses. Big Finish. We love stories. I've, I've never seen it. But this must be what happens. What happens when? When he regenerates. Do you feel other parts of your life have informed scripts as strongly as those those have? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you're you're not writing in a vacuum. You're writing from your own influences and your own contacts. I think the other one that reminds me that feels quite heavily about that was probably the Crooked Man, 
because I kind of got obsessed by this idea about how or the degree to which me personally, but then I think probably everyone does, kind of fictionalises their own lives. Because, you know, I'd, I'd have slightly sort of failed relationships and be thinking, okay, well, what what would... The, the, the good plot twist would be that this then happens. Because I've had this failed one, I'm, it's now going to be the plot. The plot is basically that this happens next and I have this lovely time or career stuff where you go, oh, I've not been having a good time, so but I will win this because that would be a good plot twist. And you forget that, you know, life doesn't behave like films and I think we get used to that. I think we see so... see life reflected so much through fiction that you forget that fiction isn't reality fiction is a structured reality and in fact reality is nothing like fiction if we're being absolutely honest and uh, and that was that came through to me very strongly in something like the crooked man which was entirely about that about um about aiming for something that's in, in relationship terms aiming for something that's real rather than some sort of vaguely imagined um rom-com based um, relationship drama. I don't know, uh, but, but and there are probably others here, there, and everywhere that that um, where it's been influenced. And then other times when I just kind of go, I'm just going to have fun and write a farce. So because that's actually genuinely, I say that flippantly. I was I was acting in a in a play called Hysteria, which is at least partially a farce. And I don't think it's a coincidence that I plotted and wrote my dinner with Andrew and False Negative at that time, which are both quite uh, basically both farces. To, to varying degrees um, so yeah that's the other thing that that's where some of the other influences come it's what you're reading what you're what what you've seen at the cinema recently things like that all of these other influences feed in to what you happen to be doing at any given point do you deliberately try and set out to be very different you know say this script's going to be you know absent friends is very emotional i mean i think touched i think why it's success, successfully touched lots of our lives and did death really well but then, um, as I say before, you came on with the Missy box one said the um, beheaded, betrothed, beheaded, regenerate, which is just hilarious. Yes. Yeah, uh, um, do, do you just decide, I'm just going to have fun with this one? This one's going to be emotional? Yeah, I mean, there's a degree to which I like to give myself a brief. Um, so uh, if I don't have a brief, then I just go, well, what can I do with that? What, what can I do? But then, uh, and obviously, sometimes it's responding to the brief as well. So. I think the idea of, you know, you've got Missy and the monk, you can't do that too emotionally, really. That's bound to be kind of a few jokes. Um, and and I think it's just figuring out what something has to be and leaning into it, really. I do like to try and mix things up a bit. If the brief is completely wild, every now and then I just go, I quite find, I haven't done one that's a scary one for a while. That was something like, say, the Red Lady in an iteration of mine, but I haven't done a scary one for a while. I think the Paul McGowan one was, the Red Lady was going, I don't think Paul's had many scary ones. Let's do a scary one. Um, so it can be as arbitrary as that and then sometimes it is I haven't written one that's I haven't written a comedy in a while let's have a go at that just for the fun of it um, or things like that but mainly it's just responding to whatever the brief is and and then also sometimes it, it will be responding to whatever the the story is as well because sometimes um, the stories are quite serious and they can be they'll they'll veer one way in the writing just by virtue of you want to tell that story as honestly as possible and then other times they'll just be something different because of what they are I mean I think um, yeah and, and, and it can mean it can lead to this slightly weird thing where there's all there's sometimes a disconnect between the story and the script so there's at least one which I, as I say for reasons I, t I tend not to say about which one, ones I'm, I'm less keen on but there's one where I remember going really love the storyline somehow I didn't connect with the script for whatever reason, I'm writing it, I'm going, yeah, this isn't for me. This isn't one that's working for me. But a lot of the time, yeah, it's just, um, there is a degree to which I try and mix it up a bit. At least to keep myself interested as well. There's there's sometimes where, 
Um, every now and then you go, you can probably see I've, I've just gone, oh, I'll do something a bit structurally mad just for the sake of it, just to kind of have a bit of fun. So I wrote one earlier this year, which was only just recorded, um, which was a bit um, a, a, a bit like Vantage Point, which is a not terribly good film, um, but one of those sort of films where it's got like, and we see different perspectives. Uh, so it follows one person's story for 15 minutes, then another's for 15 and so on, which I was always been keen to do. And then other times it's just like, and this will be... Uh, written as a, as a, the menu of a formal meal, all these things, just to try and mix it up a bit and just um, try to make sure I'm doing something different. And then every every now and then you'll just go and I I've, I've done that now, so I can just do something relatively standard um, that's just hopefully well told. Okay, the one of the most recent ones to come out been released is Palindrome in the Time yes. War Four series. Um, now, once again, no spoilers. I'll give things away, but but by issue of the actual name is a palindrome so the story works both backwards and forwards um, yes kind of yeah uh, yes it's not i think somebody was uh, assuming it might be a bit flip-floppy where you're going you could listen to disc in either way going no you can't i don't think that would work any way at all it might do i've not tried it you never know no it wouldn't work but in but in terms of um plotting that and i mean how did you come up with the idea of doing a story backwards and forwards and so interconnected well, I've always been I've always been quite tempted by the idea of one backwards. I think I think the initial pitch for a life in the day actually, or the story that became a life in the day, was going to be backwards. Um, but I think everyone thought it'd be a bit too confusing at the time before you know be, uh, people got a bit more ambitious. Um, and uh, and that's at least largely due to like it's a it's a relatively common theatrical format. So it's something like um, uh, the, the play Betrayal by Harold Pinter or Merrily We Roll Along. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, both as an initial play and the, the eventual musical version of it um, where structurally it's an interesting thing and I quite like playing with structure and seeing what can be done with it and, and I feel that there's a certain degree which every now and then you want to do something a little bit crazy with a time war story um, so I think that was the inspiration I think it was just thinking could you tell a story like a palindrome would that be fun I quite like the idea of uh, and again this might be a tiny bit spoilerific but you know the the, the goodies becoming bad guys and then attacking the good guys who they were that kind of thing it was all sort of feeding and going that feels like something a little bit temporarily trying to twist I mean the irony being that this story actually technically doesn't take place in the time war at all it takes place between two different time wars but yeah that that was the initial starting point for me and then it was just writing a lot of numbers on a pad and then figuring out how it all played together. And, and in a way, there's, there's a weird way where something like that, I know people say kind of, did you have to like write a map or kind of figure out, if anything, it's an easier structure in a way, because uh, it forces you to do, if you've got absolutely all the choices in the world, it's a bit harder to come up with something than when, you, when something's limited. If something's limited, you go, well, what, how does this work? How can this possibly work? There is one way of making this work and we have to do this. Um, and and it, it, it it leads you through it. So as I say, something like the menu in my dinner with Andrew, that very help, very much helped me out in the structure. It goes, well, I know what has to happen now. It has to be something that links to this and then this bit and then this bit and then this bit and all kind of fitting together in that way. It, it, it helps you through it. And so I found that, if anything, as I say, the structure of Palindrome wasn't, wasn't that much harder than like a regular one to do because once you've set up the structure, then you go, well, I, and I now have to match this bit to this bit and bounce it around a bit as much as possible. Yeah. Um, do you teach writing? Because you obviously have a lot of ideas about writing. No, I, I, I try to encourage people um, whenever possible. I've not got around to. I, I think I'd like been. I've lectured at some places at some point. Where I've been invited in as a guest lecturer, um, uh, but I'll certainly email people and discuss discuss it with people wherever possible. I meet friends who are like keen on writing. Go here's what here's some things to do. 
I've, I've always said my two big tips always sound inane, but they, they're good. My big tip number one is start writing it because everyone's got loads of ideas, but until you actually start writing it, it's not going to turn into anything. And the blank page is terrifying. Beat that. And the other, the other piece of advice is end it. Get to the end. Write all the way through till you've got to the end and finish it. Because we've all got unfinished things. Like we got halfway through, but you can't do anything with it until you've got to the end. You can, and also don't focus on that first damn page over and over again, getting it right. Just get to the end and then get it all right. And and, and it's not least because um, one of the things people forget when they start out writing is everything you've ever enjoyed scripting, seeing as a script or as a book or as whatever, has had loads of people work on it. It's had several drafts. Your first draft shouldn't be matching them. Or if it is, you're a genius, and you and and you will not need any of my help. But you'll probably don't judge what you've done like as a first bash against Hemingway for crying out loud. Uh, you you can you can take time to work this up. That's the thing. Those are my bits of advice, really. I call it the F word uh, when, when I've tried to write things. I have, I have a problem with the F word finish finishing. Yeah, finishing is is such a vital part. Part just get to the end, keep doing it until you get to the end, and then go back and fix it. And you know, as Neil Gaiman says that that's, that becomes the job of making it look like you knew what you were doing all along. So, what are you looking forward to in the future? I know you can't tell um, us much, but what, what's what's the future hold? Um, to be, uh, I'm hopefully getting back on tour again next year. Quite looking forward to doing that. That'd be fun. Um, and then just other other projects. There've been various other things outside Big Finish and um, for other companies that could be quite good fun to do if they come through. Yeah, just some 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 more of my own stuff a bit every now and then. That'd be fun. And and just hopefully working through the new writers. I'm just also excited for people to hear the stuff we've been doing. There's so many scripts I've done where I just go, I really want people to hear this now. Please, can you hear this now? And you're going, oh, but I've got to wait till next year. I want, I, you know, there are, there's a specific cliffhanger, for example, where where I I can already imagine the reaction, and and that's to a big enough degree where I'm pretty certain where now I've said that when people hear it they go oh yeah that's that cliffhanger that'll be that one then because um, it's that ridiculous and 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 obscene really but yeah um, <laughs> yeah there's some really nice there's some fun stuff I've got coming up to write couple of stories it's, uh, that's the thing I'm always excited about writing the next one whatever the next one is it's always going to be fun I've got written two storylines that I need to hear back from people on and then a couple of others to plot and yeah we'll just see how they go really I'm quite looking forward to yeah and uh, yeah just I'm also looking forward to seeing people that'd be nice <laughs> like seeing some <laughs> of the gang I've seen them via, down the line but you know I haven't I haven't I haven't gone for a pint with Fitton in you know months um, and that's a shame and uh, very, you know, other people like that. It, it, it's always half the joy of doing the big finish stuff is just like hanging out with my friends occasionally, which I haven't had as much of a chance to do, sadly. And you said you've got your own podcast too. So, what? Well, tell us about that. Oh, my podcast. Yeah, it's the the best pick podcast uh, where me and uh, my friends Tom and Jess. That's Tom Selinsky, who's written a few big finishes with Robert Kahn and Jessica Regan, who has been in a few. Actually, she's in like a Star Cop. She's in countermeasures um yeah we have watched we are watching all of the films that won best picture at the oscars um which is i think about 93 of them in total or will be next year um and we've currently done i think it's 72 and that means that oh, wow. having having already seen some of the ones we haven't watched yet as a as a team i i am now down to like my last i think it's four at the moment no, the next one we watch 
takes me down to three. The next one is Mutiny on the Bounty, which I haven't seen. And after that, I've got three left to go. I, I only have to see Mrs. Miniver, Marty, and you can't take it with you. Um, that, that's the only ones I've got left on my list. We did Godfather 2 yesterday. That was amazing. Yeah. Like I said, you talk about whether or not they were worth winning it in, the, in, in respect. Oh, yeah, that comes up. That, 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 we will say, did the Academy get it right? Um, and to be fair, given we're massive Oscar fans, it's surprising how often we say no. Um, <laughs> because a lot of the time, a lot of the time they suck. They really do. There are a few utterly... This is the thing. It's, a, you, it's genuinely, I think, impossible to have seen all of them unless you are specifically intending to. Because some of them you're just going to switch off halfway through. If you can get through Going My Way and the Broadway Melody without without having decided that you are going to watch every damn minute of these, you're a better person than I am. Um, <laughs> now, having said that, I probably would get through them because I'm just too much of a sticker. But, um, yeah, it, it, they're not all very... There are some brilliant ones and some brilliant ones that which are just obscure for no good reasons. I mean, if you haven't seen Wings or The Best Years of Our Lives, you're missing out. Um, but um, yeah, there are, there are some that nobody's seen deservedly, and there are some that quite a few people have seen, which they overrate incredibly. So you know, the deer hunters bollocks. Um, yeah, things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, is there anything else you want to ask, Dwayne? No, no. What what we like to do on the Sirens of Audio is uh, recommend something that we've been listening to. It doesn't have to be Big Finish related or Doctor Who related. Uh, or audio drama related, but is there anything that you've been listening to lately that you could recommend someone go out and have a listen to as well? Um, you know what? Yeah, I, I uh, there's a really interesting podcast called The Rule of Three, um, which I is by a couple of people who actually script edited me once, who I haven't seen terribly much of in recent years, but they uh, then then beat us to an award at the British Podcast Awards. They kind of won the uh, best arts and culture pod. Uh, whereas we were the Bronze Award. Um, and it's basically where they're, they're two comedy script editors and script writers who are talking to comedians and comedy writers about something that they find funny and then they're analysing it because uh, they joke about how, you know, kind of people say you can't analyse comedy, but you absolutely can. Um, and yeah, that's genuinely really interesting in terms of the discussion of how comedy works and, and what, what people find funny and why it works. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. And your podcast too. <laughs> Yes, and mine as well. But I, yeah, I don't listen to mine. <laughs> listen, thank you so much for your time, John. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you for uh, having yeah, me. Really appreciate how much time you've given us. And just fascinating. And certainly if anyone um, interested in writing, there's been so many amazing tips along there. I hope that's useful oh, to him, yeah. It's just brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for having me, yes. I should probably go and have lunch because my girlfriend's probably wondering where the hell I am now. So. <laughs> Rule of three. A podcast presented by me, Joel Morris. And me, Jason Hazley. In which we talk to people who make comedy. About the films. And TV. And books. And records. And comics. And people. That make them laugh. She doesn't want people having a go at Martin. <laughs> even though she can. And that's true. Of, I mean, most of my friends are idiots, but they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood what Han Solo did for a job. <laughs> you don't need to know anything more than, like, he's just sobbing while <laughs> being punched in the balls. They were just trying to make each other laugh in the office. You have to show a certain amount of contempt for your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Write your own jokes, been a morning, you lazy bastard. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Rule of Three Pod. Rule of Three. Available now from all good podcastier. Well, there we go. Pretty amazing time with John. I think he would have kept talking a bit louder. It's actually um, well past his lunchtime over there. 
but he's given us lots of time and lots of things to think about. So we like our finishing up with a few recommendations from us as well. So, Dwayne, what have you been listening to? Well, uh, a week or so back, maybe a week and a half ago, a week and a half ago, maybe a week and a half, um, my Big Finish listening app, which you know I'm a big fan of on my Android device, broke because I'm a beta tester. So the new version had some glitch with it took a couple of days to get fixed so in that time I couldn't listen to any big finish so rather than feel like I had my throat cut I had some audiobooks that I wanted to get through and one that I, I couldn't stop listening once I started it was fascinating um, it was by Michael Troughton and I think it's just called Patrick Troughton um, it's the biography of uh, his dad and talks about Patrick Troughton's life from his son's perspective uh, the kind of life that he led. They're very surprised um, about some of the personal details of Patrick Troughton's life. I had absolutely no idea. And there's, uh, there's quotes throughout the book. And Michael does an amazing impersonation of his dad. If they had to recast for Patrick Troughton and Fraser Hines couldn't do it, Michael Troughton would be the way to go. Absolutely. I, I can't imagine David Troughton doing it. He's got a slightly different voice, but Michael... Um, has his dad's voice down pat. It's amazing. And it's a great great book to listen to. I just got it off Audible. So uh, I recommend uh, Patrick Troughton by Michael Troughton. I'd like to listen to that. I mean, Patrick certainly had an amazing life and um, avant-garde life in some ways. And I don't know yes. the only reason why he took the role of the doctor was because he needed the regular work because he was supporting two different families. Yeah. And so he had, yeah, he just managed to... I had to no idea about that. It was a lot more common in those days. My, um, my grandfather had a, a wife, and my, my father and, and his wife, but he also had two other families. And he used to go around and spend two or three days with each family. Um, and that's just how they lived. They, they, he'd go for different families for different days. And that, yeah, bizarre, but that's what they did. Very good. What about you, Philip? What have you got for us? Well, I'm going to recommend a podcast. So one of my other passions is musical theatre. And there's a great Australian podcast called Every Musical Ever, um, which comes out once a week. It's towards the end of their second season at the moment. There's just an episode I listened to today on Evita. But if you're into musicals, it's, he gets um, the, the, um, the guy who runs the podcast directs musicals for particularly Hayes Theatre and other places. But he gets different performers on to come and talk to him about shows they've been in and things they've done. It's always very fascinating. And, yeah, I love listening to what shows are being talked about. I usually listen to the soundtrack at the same time. And so, yeah, so my, my listening this week will be Evita, um, based on that, that podcast. Excellent. Thanks for that recommendation. Now, I've remembered something this time, Philip. You're not going to believe this, but I've remembered to suggest that anyone listening to us give us some feedback. You can do that by leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And you can contact us with nice emails only, please. That's my only stipulation. Um, that all, the, all the nasty ones will come flooding in now. Sirensofaudio at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Tw Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Audio Sirens. And we're also on Facebook. Just do a little search for us. Oh, website too, sirensofaudio.com. You can get all the episodes there too. We'd love to hear from you. 
<laughs> and feel free to rate and review us on whatever podcast system you're using because we'd love to get some ratings as well. Thanks, Philip. Looking forward to catching up with you next time. Uh, we've got some uh, some good shows lined up. So, with that in mind, dear listener, keep listening to lots of lovely audio. And you know I said at the start of this uh, episode with John Dorney that I'd been uh, visiting an animal farm this morning. I've got a bit of hay fever. So, uh, so um, ah, forget that. Forget that. All right, we'll catch you next time on the Sirens of Audio. No, I lost it. It was better in my head. <laughs> it was better in my head. It wasn't sounding good coming out. <laughs>